in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So the first thing that we want to talk about right here is right there in the center, where is fullness of joy? Where? And what is it that's in his presence? Just so we're not confused, where again is fullness of joy? All right, and then where, where else is it? Good answer. It's in his presence. That's where it is. You want fullness of joy, you've got to go into the presence of the Father. That's where fullness of joy comes from. And I love the, that in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Isn't it beautiful to know that our dad is the one who invented pleasures forevermore? It makes me think of the Garden of Eden. You know what Eden means? Pleasure. That when God made, God had a dream and he created us, and the place where he started and the area that he wanted us to cultivate was called the Garden of Pleasure. That'll preach right there. His dream was the Garden of Pleasure, and he told us, I want you to cultivate that. That word cultivate, that's where we get culture. I want you to cultivate, I want you to create a culture that I dreamed up. And what did God used to do in the Garden of Eden with his people in the cool of the day? He'd come down and walk with them. In his presence is fullness of joy. In the garden of pleasure, God wants to walk with us. The fullness of joy. And that's what we've been invited into. When God reconciled us through Christ, he brought us into his presence. He took away the separation. Sin and death had separated us. And in Christ, we are reconciled back to God. And the primary thing that we get to do in this earth is to reflect his glory. Because his desire is what? That none should perish, but all, say all, but all could have eternal life. God does not desire that any should perish. I think that's so beautiful. I think so often, you know, we hear that narrative of like, how could a loving God send someone to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. You can't. God won't send you to hell. You have to reject God. You have to say, I've seen what you've got, and I don't want it. You're the only one that can make that decision. God won't make that decision. He wants you to have everlasting life. Only you could make the decision to reject him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? This is the God. This is the God that we serve. This is the good dad that we serve. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Now, we've been on a journey and uh, for those of you that are just stepping in with us, we've been on a several-week journey about worship. And we've been talking about these different facets of worship, the different words and what they mean from halal to tehillah. And, and we've talked about, and I'm just going to unpack them, and I'm not going to embarrass myself since I didn't write them down to try to pronounce all of them. But we've found that the different words, when we, first of all, the first word for worship, the root word in the Old Testament for worship, means literally to bow down. The first time you see worship in the Bible, that actually means to bow, means to show reverence to. So, so the, the root word of worship, when we talk about that we're going to worship God, we're going to love him, we're going to worship him with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, that means that we're going to actually bow our will, we're going to bow ourself, our life, our everything to him. That's the foundation of worship. So whenever we, when, when you say, do you worship God? And you say, yes, I worship God. What you're saying, if, if in fact that's true, and, and it is, saints, it's true. 
That means that we say, in every way, I bow to his leadership. I bow to his worldview. I bow to him, his commandments, his way of seeing things, his way of doing things, his very character. I bow to that. And I model my life in obedience to following him in the lead and in the, and in the demonstration of who he is and how he rolls. And where do we find that demonstration? In Christ. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. If you want to look at what a life of worship looks like, you look at Christ. You look at Christ. What, is the, what does the word say? It said, as he is, so are we. That's what the scripture says. As he is, Christ, speaking of Christ, so are we. Jesus came and he said, I am the light of the world. Remember that? I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And then before he left, he turns and he says, you are the light of the world. Why? Because I go to the Father and I want you to represent me. And it says, as he is, so are we in this world. We are to be light and salt. We are to do what we saw Jesus do. And in Christ, what we see is an entire life, an entire life of worship of the Father, bowing down to the Father. Remember what Christ would say? I only do what I see my Father doing. I don't act on my own behalf, but I do my Father's will. Amen? So when we look at Christ's life, we see what worship actually looks like. It's not, it's not just singing, although Christ did sing. And one of the words for praise means to sing. And Jesus did sing. He was a singer. It's certainly not less than singing, but it is certainly more than just singing when we worship God. Amen? Amen? So when we look at Christ's life, what we see is we see, uh, we see the demonstration of Jesus, the Son of God, coming. And demonstrating what this life actually looks like. And when we now are tasked with this idea of representing God on earth. Did you catch that? Representing. Representing. It means to represent. We're supposed to present God on this earth the same way that Jesus presented. He represented God on earth. Then there are some ways that we do that. And they're not, they're not ambiguous. They're not hard to figure out. We can look at Jesus' life and we can emulate. We can do the same things that he did. And in fact, we're commanded to do the same things that he did. Are you guys with me? So, so you're like, okay, but what does this have to do with in your presence this fullness of joy? That sounds easier. It is. That's the good news. It, it is. With his presence, this becomes easier. But Jesus represented the Father in all that he did and everywhere that Jesus went... He released the presence of God. And I want to talk to you guys right now about the presence. I want to talk about why the presence is so important. I love that, uh, I love the song that we sang today, Your presence is all that I need. And without you, I'm nothing. It's all about the presence, guys. Say that with me. It's all about the presence. And whose presence is it? That's our dad's presence, right? It's all about dad's presence. Yeah, come on, go ahead and say it. It's all about dad's presence. I know my mom's with me. You can always count on your good mom, right? Mom's with me. You, you all can be late if you want to. My mama's with me. That's right. I'm a mama's boy. I'm proud of it. I said it. My older sister knows it's true. <laughs> Perhaps I've distracted myself. In your presence is fullness of joy. Why is this so important? This is important for a couple of reasons that I want to unpack for you today. 
And in our worship, we need to understand how connected our lives of worship are to the presence of the Father being seen on the earth. All right? Does that sound exciting? Well, it is. Even if you're not, you'll be excited in a moment. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now, you notice I've underlined this for us, that it's where two or three have gathered together. It doesn't say wherever you are, there I am in your midst. Why is this important? This is important because we are as, as Christ. Did you know that Christian means Christ-like or little Christ? So you are supposed to walk around on this earth like little Christs. Now, obviously Christ died on the cross and reconciled us back. So we're not talking about going to the cross here. But short of that, Jesus said, I go to the Father and you will do greater things than I did. So we are here tasked with representing the Father just like Jesus did. Now, many of us grab that and we're like, hey, that fits really well. I, I already think pretty highly of myself. I'm a rugged individual, very independent. And I love the idea of going out on my own and presenting Christ as he ought to be presented, not like all those other knuckleheads. I'm, I love this plan. I'm on that. Well, here's the problem with that, if that happens to be. I'm sure no one in this room has that attitude. But, um, but if, perchance, you do, Jesus has something to say about that because he says here, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. Why is he saying that? Do you guys know that God is a triune being? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says, behold, Israel, the Lord your God is one God. I know this is mysterious, isn't it? But here's the, here's the bottom line. God is in perfect relationship with himself. God is the perfect relationship. So if we're born into God and we're worshiping God as he is, we will never do it outside of relationship. It means you don't have a personal call to the Lord, just you and Jesus. There is no just you and Jesus. Because Jesus came to save the whole world. It's you and Jesus and all your brothers and sisters and your dad and the Holy Spirit. You're not saved unto Jesus alone. You're saved into a family. And so whenever you see anything that has to do with blessing or presence of dad, it's going to be when you gather. Now, I'm not saying that we don't meet with God alone sometimes. That's totally fine. But don't misunderstand those times when it's just you and Jesus for those beautiful quality connections. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But it's not the demonstration of the presence of God in the way that you're about to see the way he reveals Christ in the earth. You can't do that on your own. You're not called to do that on your own. And in fact, if you could do that all by yourself in its fullness... It would be hypocritical, and here's why. Because God is a triune being, and he chose to reveal his glory in relationship with himself. Are you guys with me? You see this? With the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect, interdependent, glorifying, loving, ridiculous 
like, it just blows our mind when we look at the beauty of how God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit interchange with each other. Holy Spirit's like, I only say what I hear my Father saying. Jesus is like, I only hear, I only say what I hear the Spirit saying my Father is saying. And the Father's like, here's my Son in whom I am well pleased and I will glorify myself in him. And Jesus is like, Father, I give you all the glory. And, and, and the Father's like, they're in me and you are in them and I am in them and I will glorify. And we're just like, like. Man, when do you guys stop loving each other? Like, we don't. It just keeps getting better. That's why we made you. We're inviting you in. It's a perfect relationship. So he's not going to move from that and then say, and I'm going to reveal my presence in just you all by yourself alone. How do we know? Adam was with God alone in the garden. When God said to Adam while he was with him, Adam, it's not good that you should be alone. And God was with him. So you and God is not the equation of perfection. All y'all and us in God is the perfect equation of what he's releasing. It's not good that we should be alone. So when we worship God, when we look at the life of Christ, what did he do? He also didn't go alone. He was with the disciples. He was with the 70. He had friends. He had people. He was brothers and sisters. And he said, I am now doing all of this. And here's the wild part, too, by the way, guys, of how God does this as an us together. Jesus then turns, passes the baton to us and says, all right, and how many of us really want to do this? But we, we follow Jesus now. But he says the craziest thing that's ever been said. He turns and says, go be salt and light and greater things than I've done, y'all will do. I want to glorify my Father now in you as you glorify me and me and the Father and the Holy Spirit in you. And then it just gets real confusing, but you know what I'm talking about. No, it doesn't get real confusing. It gets real compounding in a good way. It just starts getting exponential. But do you see this? So, so bottom line, it's all about us. It's all about where any two or three have gathered together in my name. So when we gather, it's in his name, which means it's in the way that Christ does it. It's in the way that the Father wants it. It's in the spirit and character of the triune God that we serve. So it's not your way. You get that? It's not in your name. It's not in your specific wiring or bent or the way that you've learned or whatever, you know, chronological <laughs> time frame that you live in or your western mindset or your eastern mindset or your whatever mindset, those are nice up to a point. They're a blessing. But none of them is preeminent above this, the name of Christ. That's whom we're called into. Are you guys with me? All right. You liking where we're going? Okay. Good. It would have hurt my feelings to be like, no, not, not even a little bit. But nobody said that. So let's continue. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, so where is he? I am there in their midst. So we just saw the in, in his presence is fullness of joy. And where is his presence? In the midst of who? Those who gather in his name. His presence is in our midst when we gather. Now, here's a beautiful scripture, Psalms 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. That is where the Lord commands a blessing. 
That's the place where God commands the blessing. And what is the blessing? The presence of God. It says that eternal life is this, to know God. So this is eternal life, that you would know God. Knowing God means having eternal life. And the only way to know God, as we know, is through Christ. So through Christ, we know God. And in knowing God, we have eternal life. And where does God show up? In the unity of the brothers and sisters who gather in his name. So we're tapping in to heaven right now. We're tapped into the kingdom of heaven. We're gathered in his name. And God himself, he's actually gathered in our midst. He dwells in the midst of this unity. We've come and gathered around Christ. We're agreeing in Christ. We're in unity right now. Not about all the little bents and stuff. Not about every little thing. It's not, it's not agreement about every little thing. It's agreement about Christ. We agree that Christ Jesus is the Son of God. And we've gathered to worship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because we're called to do so. And as the Holy Spirit's leading us in worship of the Father and the Son, we're glorifying the Son. God says this, I command a blessing in that place. And that blessing is my presence. Now Psalm 24, 7 says this, lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who are the gates? We're the gates. Who are the everlasting doors? We are those everlasting doors. You see, when we lift our heads up, when we worship the king, when we worship the father, we actually invite the presence of God into that place. We are the gates that open it up. Where is the presence of God on earth? In us. Come on, that's the right answer. Teresa's back, everybody. Teresa's back. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on. And I missed you, by the way. I had to preach when you weren't here, and I, there was nobody to be like, yeah, that's good. Say that. It was horrible. Everyone suffered. I'm glad you're back. I love this. Psalm 22.3. I've got it in the NKJ because I like how he lays it out with this. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Other translations say, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. You are enthroned. When we worship God, when we praise God, and I, I began to share with you several different words that we've been studying over the last few weeks. When we brag on God is one of the names of, you're boasting and bragging in God. That's one of the names of praise that you see in the, in the Bible. You meditate on his goodness. That's one of, the, one of the words of praise that we see in the word. We dance in his presence. That's one of the words of praise that we see. We shout. We play skillfully. But we come together and we agree to worship God in the ways that were prescribed in the scriptures. And as we do that, the scripture says that God actually comes and inhabits the praises of our life. When we gather together and agree in the name of Christ, his tangible presence is with us because he dwells in the midst of unity, commands a blessing. Where we're gathered in his name, there he is in his presence is fullness of joy. Why is this important? Because out of his presence is all the other stuff we see all the time. And people, they need to encounter the Father. When people saw Jesus who worshiped God in all that he did, they were drawn to the Father. In fact, it says Jesus spoke as one with authority, not like the scribes and teachers. We, and then later when the disciples, when they were with him, they said, we can tell these guys have been with Jesus. Why? Because they were living a life of worship and they were carrying the presence. And everywhere they went, people are going, these are uneducated fishermen. 
I always get encouraged when they talk about uneducated people being able to carry the presence. That's, that's, a, that's an encouragement to me. I am not very professional at very many things. But I can worship my Father. I can carry the presence of God. And here this says that when we come and praise together, you see, our worship is of vital importance because without us gathering together, dwelling together, coming together to worship the king, then, it, then, then let me show you, let me show you what happens when we do that. But without it, we don't see that presence. You guys with me? John 17, 17, Jesus is praying for the apostles. And uh, how many of you, this is like your favorite chapter in the Bible? Anybody? This is one of my favorites. I'm all alone. Oh, no, I got one over here. My mom again. This probably used to be my mom's favorite, but I thought of it after I saw her reading it. A couple, other of you, of the, a couple others of you. This is a beautiful chapter. And in this chapter, Jesus is praying for the apostles. And then he turns and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. So here's our commission. As the Father sent Jesus, now Jesus is sending us. And he says, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And he goes on, I don't pray for these alone. Now this is the part where we know it's about us too. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that means he's sending us as the Father sent him. And now he's praying for us and he prays this. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Did you see what he just did? He just said our willingness to forsake our independence, to forsake our own little religions, to forsake our own little preferences, and actually join together and dwell together in unity, to actually choose to gather in his name where he commands his presence, then he says this, when we do that, the world will believe that God sent Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? He just put the proof, the, the, the justification, the, the evidence that the world will believe about whether or not Jesus is actually who he says he is, is based on whether or not we're willing to become one in God together. And when we do this, the presence of the Father shows up so strongly that the world suddenly sees something that they weren't able to see before. That God the Father sent Jesus Christ. That feels like a leap, doesn't it? That's a supernatural thing. I can tell you that's a supernatural thing. How do we know? Well, Peter, okay? So remember when Peter is in the boat and Jesus is, is, is out there and Peter's been fishing all night? And Jesus says, hey, throw it over on the other side. And he goes, Lord, we've been fishing all night. And he goes, throw it over on the other side. He goes, fine. Throws it over on the other side. They catch so many fish, the boat almost sinks. They have to call for another boat. They have the hugest catch. And Peter falls down on his knees and says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. <laughs> when Jesus' presence shows up, guys, people are convicted. <laughs> you know, in the scriptures, I love it, it says, when Jesus is speaking, he says, I'm going to go to the Father, but it's good that I should go because when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. You see, when the, when the Spirit of God comes, then people are convicted of sin. Are you guys with me? Something happens. The Peters suddenly go, I'm, 
I'm a sinner. <laughs> I didn't even use that language till right now. That's what happens when the glory of God comes. That's what happens when the presence of God is manifest. You with us? It continues. And the glory which you gave me, that word glory means weightiness. How many of you have ever come into a time of worship and you're just like, oh, whoa. Like, like you, you go to raise your hands and you can just feel. How many, raise your hands, seriously, if you've ever been during worship, you go to raise your hands and you feel like a heaviness almost. Not heavy like bad, but just you feel the, that's glory. The word glory actually means weightiness. That's an aspect of it. There's a weightiness. There's a, a weightiness of God's presence that's available, that's there. I remember one young lady who the first time that she'd ever been in the presence of the Holy Spirit, she'd been raised in a cessationist background and, and truly believed that the activity of the Holy Spirit had died with the apostles. And, and, um, and, and we took her to a meeting um, where the, the Spirit of God was moving. We came in as they were worshiping. And as they were worshiping, she walks in and she starts going... <laughs> And she's like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And she's like, what is this, what is this? And we're like, it's just the presence of God, it's okay. And she calmed down, but she could feel the weightiness of the presence. It was really fun, too, because she didn't believe that God moved in, in, in any way, but she was willing to at least go check. And the, the guy, she walked up, and, and she was willing to come and check. Come on, how many of us just need to be willing to come and check? That's a good word right there. That's for free. So she's willing to come up and check. And the person that was up there was praying and, and, uh, and just said, Lord Jesus, we just ask you to. And before I even finished the prayer, she just goes, poof, and fell on the ground and wept for three hours. And this particular woman had not wept in three years. And during that time, God healed a, a really broken relationship that had been in her life and just miraculously healed the, the brokenness and the, the unforgiveness and the pain. It was a miraculous work. No one even touched her. The presence of God. The presence in his presence is fullness of joy. So here, here it is, that glory. So she experienced that glory in that moment. And, he's, and so Jesus is praying for us and he says, that glory which you gave me, I've given them. So he's given us glory. That they may be one just as we are one. So his desire is that his glory would be manifested in us gathering in his name. And when we gather in his name... And, and, and glorify God, what he does is he commands a blessing and his presence is there. He dwells in our worship and our praise. We agree to worship God, to look at him as he is, to brag about it, to sing about it, to dance about it, to think about it, to shout about it. All these words of praise in the, worship, in the, in the Bible. And when we do that, which is an act of will, by the way, guys, we don't show up and just sort of fall into it. We're actually obeying the scriptures that tell us, do these things. And as you do these things, I command a blessing. I re I, my, my presence is with you. I'm in your midst because you're gathering in my name. And in that place is fullness of joy. The glory is released as you are one in me and you all together. Isn't that amazing? Suddenly then things start to shift. Suddenly then things start to move. Impossible things start to happen. Not because of us. We're not some kind of shamans that show up and make God do stuff. 
We're simply obeying what, the God, what, what God has asked us to do, what our Father has asked us to do, and he does what was in his heart to do. And what's amazing is this. He goes, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you sent me. Now the second time he said, if they will come together and be one in me and agree in me, the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So us gathering together right now, this act of will right now, we've come together to worship the Lord together. We have come and said we gather around Christ, and in so doing, God begins to command a blessing. God begins to reveal his presence. Let me unpack this a little bit, and I'll, and I'll wrap this up. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, which this is, by the way, in the middle of a rebuke because the Corinthian church is not doing so hot, but he says this to them. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Where's the Holy Spirit? That's right. Do you know where the Holy Spirit is in the earth? In believers. He's in us. We're the temple. Somebody said we're, we're, uh, we're, we're God's mobile homes. That's right, lest we get too puffed up. All right? The Holy Spirit is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we've been commanded to be like Christ. And Christ lived a life of lavish generosity and worship unto the king in everything that he did. And consistently said things like this. Now so that the scripture will be fulfilled, I will now do this. Now that the scripture would be fulfilled, I will now do this. So if we're like Christ, then we ourselves would say, now that the scripture would be fulfilled, I will now do this. If the scripture says that I'm supposed to shout when it's time to shout and praise, well, I'm going to shout. And if the scripture says to do some toe tapping because it's dance time and I'm not actually a dancer, but I can at least do this. What I do up here, by the way, is not dancing, just in case some of you were like, oh, is that what dance? No, that's not actually what dancing looks like. I am not a dancer. We have dancers come. It's fantastic. But there are times where the scriptures say, dance before the Lord. And so we can, we can do something, you know. Do so, let's not demonstrate a lot. But the point is that there's prescriptions of different ways that we worship the Lord. We worship him in song. We worship him in shouting. We worship him in prayer and meditation. We worship him. We shout to him. We do all the things that are there. Why? So that the scripture might be fulfilled. Why? Because God wrote it. And said, this is how you agree in my name that I can command a blessing. My presence is coming. I inhabit your praises. So as you praise him together and agree in Christ, my presence comes. In my presence is fullness of joy. And when that happens, people go, how must I be saved? <laughs> I was talking to someone who came into Christ Center at one point, and, uh, and they go, I don't know what's going on, but it's freaking me out. And I said, well, what do you mean? They're like, I don't know. There's something in this room. Like, there's something in this room. And I said, well, is it scary? They're like, well, it's scaring me. And I said, well, what's it like? Just, I don't know. It's just like a, there's like a heaviness. Like, not bad heaviness, but I can feel it. It's like, the, it's like thick. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And they're looking at me like, I said, no, seriously, that's the presence of God. It's the presence. When people worship, God comes, and he's in that place. You see, that's what we're called to do. That's part of what we do. Everywhere Jesus came, he said, if you've met me, you've met the Father. We're called to do the same thing as we worship in all that we do. 
And right now we're talking about when we gather. We are talking about when we gather. But this, this starting point, this, this, is our, this is our springboard, guys. How we worship in here leaks out into everything else in our life. You, you start worshiping him in here with, with the gathering, and you'll find yourself pouring out and representing God in the rest of your walk because you can't help it. You can't help it. You're like, he's just too good. I just keep getting transformed. Now suddenly I want to worship him in this and that and this. I don't want to hold anything back. I sang this week that I hold nothing back. And then I went into my business and realized, well, that's a contradiction. I'm going to have to change that because I, I hold nothing back. I can't, I can't file my taxes that way because that's not righteous. I'm going to change that. Oh, I can't justify this behavior anymore. I, I, I'm going to have to go clean this up because I hold nothing back. Everything begins to represent the Father because we worship the Father. And we begin to reflect that, and his presence changes everything. So this is why we lift up our heads, that the king of glory may come in. Now, I want to I end with a couple of, a couple of thoughts here. And, uh, and then, I don't know, let's have a revival. When we neglect the presence of our God, when we neglect the presence of our God, we can lose confidence in him. We can lose confidence in our testimony of him. And we, we end up with a religion to teach without a person to introduce. See, when we skip this lavish worship of giving all to the one who held back nothing. See, he held nothing back, we hold nothing back. When we come to worship him, we're called to hold nothing back. Why? Because when we do this, it shifts things. And when we don't do that, when we lose sight of the presence, when we don't make his presence the center of all that we're doing when we gather, what happens is we lose our confidence because now we just have a religion to teach people instead of a person to introduce them to. Instead of them going, what is this? Oh, that's dad. I think I like it. You do. You do. This is mysterious. I know it's dad. But if we don't take the time to do this, if we don't agree around this, if we don't gather and actually do the things that Jesus did, Jesus was a worshiper. Do you remember when the 70 came back from casting out demons and healing the sick? It says Jesus shouted and he's jumping around. He's like, yes, Father, you've kept this from the proud idiots and you've given it to the foolish ones and may you be glorified. Woo! And they're like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And if Jesus did it, we're going to do it. And that's what we do. We gather and we boast about what he's done and we praise him and we hold nothing back. Who's going to get excited about a God that his own people aren't even excited about? I love the Lord. Super good. This week kind of sucked, but you know you're good. They're like, so that's what his presence does, huh? Okay. So when we make... When we choose to obey him in these things and to be like Christ, to hold nothing back. See, it's an act of will, brothers and sisters. It's an act of will. The emotions will follow, but they're not what's driving us. We are, it's an act of will that we set into this like Christ. And when we do it, we know this. We know that God himself manifests in this. And then people are encountering our Father. And we're not just having to talk about someone we actually get to start answering questions that they have because they're encountering his presence where there's fullness of joy. Now here's, now here's what's interesting. 
we encounter the presence of God because he dwells in us and inhabits our praise. When we praise, he's present. It's not that we call him or somehow make him appear through the act of worship. We're not shamans. We don't cast a little spell through song and then God has to come. Okay, that's not it. It's not a libation that we're pouring out like to a pagan God and then God shows up and goes, I bless this sacrifice. That's not how it works. You see, he's chosen to dwell in us, as the scripture has just said, and he manifests his presence and glory when we present him through our praise and boasting and testimony. You see, we're presenting him in our worship because the spirit of God is actually in us. So when we agree to say he is good, he confirms that with his presence because he is good, but we're carrying his presence. So we're agreeing to say, God, be glorified, and he's glorified. Are you with me? But it's an act of will. It's an act of will that we choose to do those things that Christ did, and we choose to do them together because the, king, because the Bible says, the scriptures tell us, when we gather in his name and do these things in his name because he said to do these things, he does exactly what he said he would do, which is he commands a blessing, and he dwells in the midst, and in his presence is fullness of joy, and the glory comes because he is the king of glory. When we lift our heads up, the king of glory comes in. When we gather in his name, there he is. We have to adjust our understanding in this. We don't praise him and then he obeys by manifesting his presence. We obey him by praising him. And in doing so, we are presenting him. Because he has chosen to show his presence when we obey him in gathering and praising him. Do you see that? He has chosen that when we do this, people say, indeed, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this is why we worship. He's worthy of it, but he's also said you must gather together and do it. And when you do that, it's an act of will. When you hold nothing back, when we all look to him and agree in song and in movement and in shouting and in exaltation and in holding nothing back, he commands a blessing. And here's the thing. The world needs to know that Jesus is the Son of God. The world needs to know that dad is good. And they won't know unless we come together and gather in his name and worship him. So what do you say? What do you say? Why don't we hold nothing back for the one who holds nothing back? And today was beautiful, by the way. I want to commend you. There, there was a sweetness in the room. There was a sweetness. There was a, there was a willingness to say, God, I'm going to worship you with my song. I'm going to worship you with my heart. I'm going to worship you with my mind and my strength. I'm going to two-step a little bit. You know, for some of us, I just want to encourage you. You know, if you're not a moving kind of person, you're, you don't get out of not moving, okay? Because it does say actually to dance. But here's the thing. And I'm not making it all about dancing. I'm just saying for me, I tend to be a little spastic up here. But that's just my bent. So for you, you know, my thing's probably like, la, 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 la. it's not pretty, but God likes it. And it's an act of will. Well, but, you know, but your, you know, might look a little more like this. You know, and that's okay. But step out of your preferences and worship him in what we're being led in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up, okay? We're right at 1230, so I promise to finish this in 90 seconds. I want to ask this of us. This is what the scriptures are telling us, is that when we gather, it's not up to us to decide what things we're going to participate in in worship and what things we're not going to. The scriptures have told us to boast, to sing, to shout, 
to dance, to pray, to contemplate, to meditate, and to, and to read the scriptures together. And that's why we've gathered, because he told us to do it. So when our lead worshipers come, and they've prepared, and they've prayed, and they said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he's like, I want you to boast, I want you to adore, I want you to uh, have a couple dance songs in there. You know, whatever it is, it's different every Sunday. But we're the orchestra that are then coming and agreeing to say, Lord, we will follow now and do this because we want you to manifest your glory and your presence here so that we can remember who you are, so that we can have fullness of joy, so that we can be transformed. And if there's anyone in here who has not met you, that they'll be able to go, Jesus, he is the son of God. But that's an act of will. So what I'm asking is, will each of us, is it, will you please, in, in the name of Jesus, will you please obey these scriptures with me? Will we agree with an act of will, number one, to consistently gather? Number two, when we gather, to come to hold nothing back from the one who held nothing back. And so with an act of will, we're saying, here's everything, God. Here's everything. I encourage you that when your least favorite song is playing, that's your opportunity to give them the best praise. I guarantee that Karen is much more impressed with the times when I do the dishes than she is when I ask for a kiss. I'm just saying, it's more loving. She's like, I know you want a kiss, but I know you don't want to do the dishes. So do the dishes, I'll give you the kiss. All right? Some of us just need to do the dishes. Just do the dishes. It's an act of will. Why? Because he's worthy of it. You see, there is something about choosing to worship no matter what. Because when we do, he manifests his presence. We're involved, but it's not all about us. It's about him. It's about his presence, and he's worthy. Amen? Amen. All right, Father, bless us. God, help us, Lord, that we would be practical and specific and intentional and passionate. Lord, that we push through emotions and that we would love you with an act of will in everything that we do. And Lord, thank you that as we do this together, Lord, we as a church, we as a tribe, we're saying, Lord, as for us, you'll get everything from us. We're, we're not leaving anything on the table when we worship you. It's all yours. And all that we ask, Lord, is that you would command a blessing and we could be in your presence, that the world would know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, let your prayer be answered in us. We agree. We're going to be a part of seeing that answered in Jesus' name.